Hello, this is Shweta from the Florence School of Regulation and I have with me here today Deanne Berman, who is the Commissioner at the New York State Public Service Commission. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, one of the first questions I have in mind is you manage a huge portfolio. You're juggling between electricity, gas, water, telecom. How is regulation different or similar when you're looking at such a huge portfolio? Well, I sit on the commission at the New York Public Service Commission, and I do so with uh, five commissioners. Uh, right now there's one vacancy, so I'm one of five, uh, and we have a chair for the commission. And really, for my, our focus, it's on really safe and reliable service. And so we look at all the different sectors, and we work together in helping to provide safe and reliable service for all of them. And so our job really is to make sure that we are regulating effectively and appropriately and providing safe and reliable service at just and reasonable rates. So to the degree that we are focused on the technical aspects and making sure that we're doing what we need to do to work with the industry and to the customers to look at those things and focus on it. That's what we're doing. Following up a bit more on that, so regulation has two sides to the coin. One is on designing regulation and one is on implementing regulation. So what have been some of the lessons that uh, you have uh, learned through your experience in uh, doing that at the New York State? I think what's really important is we live in very exciting, changing, and challenging times in the energy industry, and there's really a continued focus on grid modernization and integrating new resources, technologies, and services into the grid. That really includes smart meters, energy storage, microgrids, electric gas coordination, and so much more. And really, as a state energy regulator since 2013, and as someone who's working in the field in some capacity for most of my professional career, we really have to look at regulation, not in a silo. So when we're designing the regulation, we really need to look at it as how will this effectively be implemented? And so the designing the regulation really needs to fit so that when it starts to be implemented, it is implemented smoothly and effectively. So it really is in a process where when you're designing it, you need to get the right input, the right stakeholder engagement, the right information, so that the design of the regulation is going to be one that when you implement it, it is effective and it is seamless, but it also needs to be fluid and flexible so that it's a continual process. And regulation can't be static. It really needs to change with the development of the grid and what's appropriate for the times. And that's why in terms of this conference with the regulation of innovation, um, you really need to look at what is needed for the regulation to be effective for uh, the community and the, and the world. Okay, so my next question is, how can women from different professional, economic and cultural backgrounds find innovative ways of achieving universal energy access? Oh. So the collaborative approach that many women bring to the table, perhaps intuitively, is key to the industry's future success. The last thing the industry needs is to suffer from what I call groupthink, and that is why I purposefully in my role seek out different views. Every single day, women with a wide range of backgrounds contact the state regulatory agency that I work at and that I'm a part of seeking answers to pressing questions or trying to raise awareness of pressing problems. I find that those who are the most successful in making a mark on changing regulation are those who have taken the time to make themselves aware of all the issues regarding a problem. 
frankly, it's not good enough to say I oppose or I agree. The successful woman must be able to address and disprove, if needed, the points being made by other parties and be ready to offer creative, collaborative, and the key really is collaborative solutions. So really, to gain access to the energy regulatory arena requires a woman who is informed, versatile, and willing to truly hear and understand all sides of the issue. Thank you. And on that note, um, how are women changing the current trends of the energy landscape? So females seem to be generally underrepresented in the energy sector. However, women are breaking down barriers, and they're really doing so with a solution-driven, limitless mindset. Women are making really positive differences, and that is why, for me, it's important that women get and be mentors and do so repeatedly. Over the years, I have been many men I've had many mentors in my life, and I'm a mentor to many in my life. And for me, each experience is fulfilling. Um, professional growth and happiness is really similar to energy regulation. It's a continual process of learning and evolving. And to do so, one needs to be mindfully uh, engaged in seeking to learn, adapt to change, and become better. And that's really what regulation is all about, and that's really what we're trying to do with empowering women to be a part of this. With each new mentoring experience, we're able to connect and we're to grow. And for me, I find it, you know, I'm one of, um, when I first started at the commission in 2013, I was, uh, out of the five commissioners, um, there were three women on the commission. Now, um, in 2018, I'm only one, uh, I'm only one of um, four commissioners. We have a vacancy. So I'm the only female energy commissioner uh, regulator in New York. So I take my job seriously, even more so, knowing that I sit as the uh, only female energy regulator, and I have an obligation to make sure that I'm doing what I need to do to grow and bring up the other women who are there with me uh, on the ground up and get their input and help them collaborate and learn. And so I am constantly looking at mentoring opportunities, not only for myself, but for them as well. Okay. And uh, who, uh, who was your inspiration uh, growing up to be this power woman that you are today? So what I would say is, for from a professional level, when I first started as a regulator, Colette Honorable, who was um, uh, at NARUC, who was president of NARUC, um, in, inspired me to get involved in ICER uh, and the Women in Energy Mentoring Program. And really, she asked me to get out of my comfort zone uh, and to be all that I could be as an energy regulator. So from my perspective, she helped me to understand that it was important to grow as a regulator. I needed to broaden my horizons outside of just where I was in New York, and that I needed to embrace substantively all that NARUC had, but ICER had. And so for me, part of my exploration of being a regulator is learning to be uh, involved in as many things that can give me uh, uh, 
information that's helpful that I can bring back to my state and learn to um, uh, help me be a better regulator. And so part of that is the engagement um, with other women and with men uh, who are helping to bring up women through the ranks. And so from my perspective, it's not just about um, women in leadership positions on the commissions. It's really about women in leadership positions at every at every level, the line, uh, the line crew, uh, the women who are engineers, uh, the women who are answering the phone and the call centers in the utilities, everywhere we go, um, having more people engaged and helping and a diverse uh, in, uh, workforce is really uh, very important. And getting that collaborative uh, input is helpful. Okay, so before we conclude, uh, one last question. Uh, what motivates you to continue to be the energy regulator since you've been doing this from 2013? So uh, energy is personal. When I, in um, 2013, the summer of, uh, excuse me, the summer of 2003, I was a, a mother with two children. Um, my second child had just been born and I was going back to work And at that time, there was a summer of 2003 blackout. And um, I was at work and was told that I had to come uh, get my children from uh, daycare. And I had to um, find my way uh, through the streets in the car, not knowing why there was a blackout, not knowing um, what was going on, being very scared um, of what was the cause of it, thinking the worst, not knowing how to get in touch with my husband, uh, and not knowing what I would find uh, with my kids. And working my way through the streets, uh, getting my kids, and getting home. And when I got home, for me, uh, I had no electricity, I had no power. And what that meant on a very personal level was that my entire um, freezer full of frozen breast milk was wiped out. Now, as a young mother who was just going back to work, who needed that to feel secure and feel comfortable in knowing that that was something that was very important to me and the reliability of that energy was gone um, because of this blackout, uh, it sent really sort of... Um, crisis for me on a personal level. And so when I, um, as an energy regulator, am focused now on the access to energy and the need to have safe and reliable service, there are many different examples of events like that in my life, but in other people's life, some even more serious than that. And so I keep that in mind in just how personal it is and how important it is for me to make sure that I am Uh, involved and engaged in a very real level to provide that. So it's personal and that's why I do it because it, it's something that I think that I can give back to and that for me is a, is a great public service. Thank you for sharing that and uh, yeah, I, I mean, you're doing a fantastic job and I think an inspiration coming from within is always the best. And thank you for sharing uh, all your thoughts on uh, energy regulation and being the women in energy and the power of women that you are. Uh, and thanks for joining us on this podcast. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.